First Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 16. When you got it, somebody say amen. If you're not there, say mercy. Oh, there's a whole lot of mercy. Yeah. You should go to the home, amen, because we used to have a contest when, we were, when I was in the home to see who could find the scripture the fastest. It was kind of like to say we would sit across the table from each other, and then somebody would yell out a scripture, and then you had to hurry up and get to, get to the scripture first and read it. And we learned like that. That's how that teached us how to, to be able to find scripture instead of just, you know, huh, let me see. And have to go, you know, hey, if you got to go to the table of contents, go to the table of contents. Amen, amen, because it's the Bible, so it's in there for a reason. For, how many know that every single word in this Bible is there for a reason? So if the table of contents is in there, I'm just saying. You just might need it, amen. Again, forgive me. Chapter 5, verse 16. Is everybody there? Praise the Lord. The Bible says this, verse 16. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Somebody say, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And this is what I want to focus on here today. Verse 19 says this. Translation 90 says, quench not the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, quench not the Spirit. Amen. Here in this portion of Scripture, <coughs> Paul was writing to the early church in Thessalonica, and he wanted to pass on to them some basic instructions. And that's kind of what I want to do here this afternoon. I just want to give a little bit of instruction to the church today. Is that okay? But first, God gave me this instruction. Everything that I believe, hopefully, most, most of the time when God gives you a word, sometimes we think, well, it must be for somebody else. Or the word that God is giving must be for that person or must be for the church. Or maybe because somebody's going through it so that he, God needs me to speak it to them. But you know that most of the time, the word that God gives you is for you. It's always for you first. God, at least that's how it works in my life. So when I was reading this and I was praying and, you know, because I actually had forgot I had, actually had to speak. But God had been dealing with, with me in this for quite a while, to be honest. And so when I remembered that I had to speak, I was like, I already knew. I already knew it because God had already been speaking it to me. And he's dealing with it. Just because he's speaking it to me doesn't mean I've dealt with it. It means I'm dealing with it. And God is dealing with me. So as I'm speaking this to you right now, God is dealing with me. Has God ever dealt with you? Oh, come on now. Has God ever really dealt with you? Okay. So hopefully he's dealing with you right now so I won't be alone up here today. Praise the Lord. Because he's dealing with me right now. But see, Paul was trying to give the Thessalonican church a little bit of instructions on living out the Christian life. And how many know that's what God wants to do? He wants to live, us to live out a Christian life and how to worship and glorify God as a church. How many know that's what we want to do here? We want not just worship God as, a, as an individual, but we want to be able to worship God together as a church. Can somebody say amen? Because we're a family. Can somebody say amen? That we're part of something. We're not here, we're not here as a, just as an individual. We're here together as a family. God has brought us together as a family, or you might say as a flock. Amen? We're here together to do this together. Can someone say amen? So that's what Paul was doing. That's what I'm going to try to do here today. And in his exhortation, he gave them some things to do, but here he gave them some things not to do. And the thing that he was telling them not to do was right there in verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. One more time, look at your neighbor and say, quench, not the spirits. Now, the word quench means to put out, to extinguish, to suppress, or to squelch. Now, Paul was using this term in the sense of putting out a fire. Anybody ever put out any firemen here today? Come on, I used to be a volunteer fireman, amen? So I know a little bit about putting out fires. He's talking about extinguishing a flame. Are you guys with me? How many know that people are, or there's something weird about fire. I don't know what it is. Amen. I almost titled this Pyromaniac. There's just something about fire, praise the Lord, um, that, that attracts people. 
right? There's just something, you ever, you ever heard, of, what do they call arsonists? There's just something about fire that like just, I don't know what it is, something snaps in these people's heads and they just love, they love the flame, they love the fire. Something attracts it to them. They get a little crazy with it, but there's something attracting to it. And I know a lot of the, our youth is like that, amen. They always want to have bonfires and do things with fire, praise the Lord. I know I had kids that like to do things with fire. Uh, they used to like to build fires in the bathroom on the floor. I don't know what that was all about, amen. But just something about fire, something about flame seems to attract people. And it's the same thing in the church. People are drawn to a good fire, right, to a warm fire, to a bond. Something attracts people to that. Now, the Holy Spirit in Scripture is often pictured throughout Scripture. It's often referred to as fire. Can somebody say amen? Oh, come on. Can somebody say amen? Now, John the Baptist said this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Can someone say amen? Now remember, when the disciples and other followers were gathered together there on that day of Pentecost, you guys remember the story, right? They were in the upper room. The Bible tells us that they were together in one place, one accord, one mind, one goal, one worship to glorify the Lord. And that's why we're here today. Can somebody say amen? And Scripture says that while they were sitting there, there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and the Holy Spirit filled the room. Now, they didn't just feel the Holy Spirit. When you read that, it says that there was a sound. Have you ever heard the Holy Spirit before? Have you ever heard the Holy Spirit moving before? Huh? Sometimes we think, oh, well, you got to hear it, like a voice. But I'm talking about not in a voice, but like, do you, like a rushing wind, like just the power of the Holy Spirit. Huh? Because that's what it was. That's what was making that sound. It was the power. Because I mean, know when the wind blows, it's powerful. And you hear it, right? You don't just feel it, but you can hear it. I don't know about you, but I think maybe I've felt it like maybe once or twice in my life. And it can kind of trip you out because you don't, if you don't know what it is, amen. But when you do know what it is, and that's what I'm hoping here today is that you understand what it is when you feel it and when you hear it. Well, they not just felt it, they heard it. And it was then that the Holy Spirit began to indwell in the believers. Amen. And Acts chapter 2 verse 3 says this, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and sat upon each of them. Again, we see here that the Holy Spirit is being referred to as what? As fire. How many of you guys need some fire in your life? Huh? But Paul also warned that church, don't quench the Spirit. Huh? Don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the flame. How many of you guys got a flame in, you guys in here today? How many, come on, how many guys are, everybody in here, are you saved? Come on, are you set free? So I'm here to let you know, the day that you said that prayer, the day that you gave your life to the Lord, that a flame lit up inside of you, huh? That the Spirit of God began to dwell within you, that there was a flame there. But see, it's our job, my job and your job, to fan that flame, huh? Can somebody say fan? You got to get it out. Come on. Got to fan that flame. The flame is there. That's why Paul said, don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the flame. See, you need to understand the work of the Holy Spirit to understand the severity of his warning. Huh? The Lord said that he would send the Holy Spirit. He told his death, right before he died, he told his disciples this in John chapter 14. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. There it is right there. Even the Spirit of truth whom the word cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. How many of you guys got the Holy Spirit in you? Come on, how many of you guys really got the Holy Spirit in you? Now, the Holy Spirit was nothing new, huh? We, we kind of maybe hear about it differently here in the New Testament, but how many know that the Holy Spirit wasn't nothing new, huh? How many know the Holy Spirit was Old Testament? Uh, the Holy Spirit was OG, 
right? The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning, right? You guys ever read the beginning of the Bible, right? Hopefully. Hopefully you didn't go all the way to the end. How many of you guys ever do that with a book? Go all the way to the end so you can read what happens at the end. But I'm here to let you know that unless you read the beginning, you'll never understand the end. You always got to read the beginning. And in the beginning, the Bible says that the Spirit hovered above the water, right? And that's what he's talking That was the Holy Spirit. Right? The Bible talks about the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Huh? Something we think is like, ooh, the Holy Spirit. It's like some mystical thing. Come on, man. It's not like that. Amen? It's not like that. He's a person. Huh? He's part of the Trinity. He's part of the three in one. Somebody say three in one. Separate, yet one. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit not only dwell in the believer permanently, huh? but God would move his spirit upon those that believed. Huh? He would move his spirit upon those that believed. See, the Holy Spirit would help that person to understand God's word and to empower that believer to accomplish the Lord's will. Anybody here want to accomplish the Lord's will? The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You guys remember the story of Gideon? The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And remember, he had a whole bunch of guys in the beginning, right? And somehow, someway, he got down to like 300 guys, but yet he was still going against an army that were out. You couldn't even count how many. Um, but the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he defeated the Midianites. Huh? And he only used lamps, trumpets, and pitchers. Huh? Come on now. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Huh? When he faced a young lion, he ripped him in half, the Bible says. The Bible also says that when David was a shepherd boy, the least of his family, anybody here the least of their family? The Lord anointed him to be king, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Someone say the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is used at least 31 times in Scripture. And when you hear the, that, that, the Spirit of the Lord in Scripture, it's usually followed by some of these words. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me. The Spirit of the Lord began to move. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me. How many guys need the Spirit of the Lord to fall upon you today? See, the Holy Spirit's function hasn't changed. The Spirit of the Lord's function hasn't changed. The Holy Ghost wants to do the same thing today that he did 2,000 years ago or that he did in the very beginning when the world was created. Can somebody say amen? Huh? He still wants to do what he's always done. Come on now. Are you guys with me? The Holy Spirit wants to do what he's always wanted to do. But there's only one problem, me and you. Huh? See, the Holy Spirit does not just come upon the believer now. Huh? We're Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost would come upon somebody, right? God wanted them to do something. We I talked about it right there, Samson, right? David, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, but the, the Spirit of the Lord didn't indwell within them. But see, today, the Spirit of the Lord indwells in the believer. Huh? Today, the Spirit of the Lord is in you permanently. The day you said that the flame is there, it doesn't go away unless you kill it. Huh? The Holy Spirit's function has never changed. He still wants to do what he's always wanted to do. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever shall hear, thou shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal. That's what the Spirit of the Lord always wanted to do. In the very beginning, he wanted to reveal how many of you guys need some stuff revealed to you? Oh, come on. I don't know about you, but I need some revelation. I need some, some revealing. Amen? The Holy Spirit reveals God's word, God's truth. Huh? If you want to know the truth, you've got to have the Spirit, man. 
Because God, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal true truth to you, what real truth is. How many know there's a lot of so-called truth in the world? But unless you got the Spirit of the Lord, you'll fall for anything. You'll believe anything. The Holy Spirit reveals to us what the Lord is saying. How many of you guys want to hear what God is saying? Well, then you got, you got to listen to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us what the Lord is doing. How many of you guys want to know what the Lord is doing? Oh, come on. Now, I know we say it. We say, oh, I want to know what God is trying to say to me, or I want to know what God is trying to do, or I want to know what the truth is. All you need is the Holy Spirit. He's always wanted to give you that. He's always wanted to reveal that to us. This is nothing new. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live for him. How many of you guys need some power today? Oh, come on. How many of you guys really need some power today? Because you know that it's impossible to say or to act as if you're right with God and not be right with the Spirit? Do you know that it's impossible to say that you're in tune with God, but you're not in tune with the Spirit? Do you know that it's impossible to be used by God while quenching the very Spirit of God? If you're quenching the spirit, you can't be used. God can't use you if you're quenching the very spirit that's supposed to empower you to do what God is calling you to do. That just doesn't make any logical sense. To me, that's not even like a spiritual thing. That's just like logical. If you're trying to do it for him, but yet you're rejecting him, how could you be doing it? All right. Maybe God just wanted to show me that. Amen? The work of the Holy Spirit is a very important thing. Can someone say amen? It's a vital thing. It's a necessary thing. How many know that it's an awesome thing? The Spirit will even work on it. This, when I read this, I, I kind of like, like, wow, this is heavy. The Spirit will even work on your behalf when, you don't, when we don't even know what we need or that we are even in need. That's a problem. I'll tell you why. Because there's people that are walking around churches today, not Victor Every Chart, that don't think they got a need. They don't feel they have a need. Therefore, they don't feel they need the Holy Spirit. They don't need the Spirit of God. I don't have any needs. I'm good. I got a job. Praise the Lord. And if you got a job, God bless you. But I'm here to let you know that we have needs, man. There's needs that we might not even know that we have. But you know what like, gets me excited is to know that there's someone that knows what your need is. There's something that's inside of you that knows exactly what you need. And listen to this. In Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't always know what we need. But for the believer, the Holy Spirit speaks to God on our behalf. He not only knows what you need, but he tells God. He's interceding for you and I. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, hey, you know what? You know what, my, my son and my daughter, look, at, this is what they need. They won't voice it, or they don't even know that they, they, that they even need it. But I'm here to let you know, Lord, this is what they need. Huh? This is what they need. I don't know about you, man. That gets me excited. Can someone say, praise the Lord? The Holy Spirit has a job to, afford, to perform. Hello, right? And he will perform it. The question becomes, will he be allowed to use you or me to accomplish what God has sent him to do? See, there it is right there. Remember I said, he said, the, the problem is what? Is you and me. The reason why the Holy Spirit's not able to do what he wants to do or because maybe the plan of God is not being fulfilled in your life or in the church, whatever, is because you and I. Because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us. We try to do things on our own thing. We try to do things on our own power, our own understanding. How many, we can't do anything on our own. I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of years doing things on my own. And there's a, hey, and I'll be honest, again, this is ministering to me. So I'm preaching to myself right now that I, there's, there's times, there's days where, you know, hey, I, I do things on my own. You know, not consciously, but I do it because why? Because that's just our, that's our nature. Right? That's just our nature. Because yeah, I got this. I'm the boss. Come on, I'm the boss, baby. Come on now. You know, the women think, like a boss. But how many know the men, we, we're, you know, we, we really like the, that's for us, like a boss, right? Um, come on, man, don't, 
Put your head down and hide your head like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. You need a spirit of humbleness right now. Praise the Lord. But see, the Holy Spirit has a job to do, but we do too as well. Are you going to let the Holy Spirit do his job? Or are you going to stand in the way? Huh? Or are you going to stand in the way? I know I stood in the way of a lot of things in my life. I stood in the way of a lot of things in my life. But I was also the recipient of the consequences of standing in the way, being that stumbling block. But what's funny was I wasn't a stumbling block really to somebody else. I was a stumbling block to myself. And what God wanted to do in me and being a husband and a, and a head of a household, when I allow something or I allow myself to be that stumbling block, my whole family stumbles. Not just me. You know, sometimes we get like that. Well, it's just me. You know, it's, I don't, it doesn't affect anybody else. No, if, even if you're single, it still affects people. But if you're married or you have kids or, you know, you have a significant other, whatever it might be, and you're short-stopping what God wants to do in your life, and you're, 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 you're standing in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, you're going to be a stumbling block to the rest of your family, to the rest of the people that are there with you, your children, your wife, your husband, whatever it might be. And are you going to do that, or are you going to let the Holy Spirit have his way? Will you be the one that fans the flame of the Spirit, or will you be the one that quenches the fire? See, fan the flame is more than possessing the Spirit. Because again, like I said, when we got saved, we all possess the Spirit. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, you know, possession, like, woo, you're possessed. Amen. But I mean, where now you have the Spirit of God living in you. He's part of you, right? The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? This is his house. Amen. Some of us have got some additions. Hallelujah. We got bigger houses than others. Praise God. But we are all still, this is where God wants to live, right? We, we call this, you know, the church this is where the Spirit of God is supposed to reside, but really it's you and I. This is where God wants to reside because God's not going to change the walls or the lights, none of that kind of stuff. That's what pastor's going to do, right? But God wants to change you. God wants to change me, so he's going to dwell in our house. This is here. This is where he wants to live. This is where he wants to possess. He wants to possess our lives. <clears throat> so the minute I got saved, I possessed the spirit, but it's more than that. Fanning the flame is more than just possessing the spirit. You have the flame, huh? But how many of you know you got to fan it? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to fan it. Come on, fan your neighbor right now. Because it's, it's hot in here. Is it just me? God, it's hot. Praise the Lord. But being led by the spirit is something that happens every day. See, it's not just about possessing. You got to be led. Huh? There's, it's more than being possessed. You got to get led by the spirit. And what does that mean? When you get led by something, it means you let some, something show you the way. It says, hey, this is where you need to go. This is the right way. That's the wrong way. Don't go there. I need you to go here. Or, hey, what you're doing right now, that's not right. What I need you to do is go do this. That's being led by the Spirit, but not really. Because that's just listening to what the Spirit is saying. Being led is obeying. Because unless you obey what it says, you're not being led. Because you can stand back and go, oh, that's cool. You want me to go way over there? All right. Now I'm just going to stay right here. That's not being led by the Spirit. Because I've, I've heard the voice of God tell me plenty of times to do something, to go somewhere, you know, and there's plenty, of, I, I tell you, to, to be honest, transparent, probably, you know, more times than not, I've probably said, no, nah, I'm good right here, man. You know, because I've looked over there and I've seen people that have been there before. I'm like, no, nah, I'm all right. I'm good. You know, I, I'm, I'm fine. Amen. And one, one, to be honest, one of those times was when me and my wife went to Indonesia. You know, we were, you know, I was the head usher. Things were going good. You know what I mean? It was like I felt like I was in good graces with God. I was being righteous, right? You know, because it had been a while. Because I was, a, I was a black slider. A backslider, sorry. Not a black slider. <laughs> it's the cold. <laughs> yeah, but there a lot of people tell you that. Even Pastor Steve told me one time, he says, he said, Toby, you got a jacket in the church because you're a backslider. 
I'm talking, after I got out of the home, I was a backslider. But finally, finally, I was doing it. He knows. But, uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. I got this. And just when I thought I was like, you know, I could like, <sighs> I could put my feet up on my lazy boy right in church and be like, it's all good. You know, it's going to be, it's, man, it's, it's lilies and roses from here, right? Sister Josie comes up to me and my wife after service one day and she says, oh, can I talk to you guys after service? And I looked at my wife like, what'd you do? <laughs> like, man, right? And your, your mind starts going a thousand miles an hour. And I was like, man, you're like, all right, you know. And I'm just, my mind's racing, like, what did I do? Right? Like, man, I did something, but I couldn't remember what it was. But uh, so we went to the office and she asked us, she said, hey, I need someone, I need a couple to go to Indonesia for a year. And at first I felt like saying, so why are you talking to us? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? But it was funny because not even a week before that, you know, we had, we had missionaries, I can't remember who it was, but I remember missionaries had come in from the foreign field, and they were testifying about what God was doing, and, you know, I remember them when they got, they got sent out, and I was thinking to myself, man, you know, it's cool, man, it's awesome, like, and I thought beginning, like, how come they never asked me, you know, to, to go on, I was just curious, not like, you know, I, like, I felt like you should ask me, it was like, I wonder why they never asked me, you know, we're, cool, we're doing good, you know, I'm thinking in my head, and I actually started talking to my wife about it, like, I was like, you know, she's like, you know what we should do, we should go get our passports, just, so just in case, ever it ever happens, someday, in the way future, you know, that we would be ready. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Just thinking, hey, I'll get my passport. I'll be cool. I'll have a passport, right? Something I never had in my life. So we went out. We got our passports. And not a week later, not a week later, she asked us. Actually, it was Pastor Daryl. You the one that came into town. That's, it just, God just showed it to me. It was, it was funny because I was at, we were watching a movie, right, over at Eva's house. And we were asking, we were asking you questions. And I remember and it was actually Neva that snitched on me because I shared with him that we went and got our passports. So when she asked me, it like popped in my head like, Aniva, man, that guy got me, right? But she asked us, would you be willing to go for a year? And again, there I was, right? Spirit of the Lord is talking to me. Holy Ghost is speaking to me. I'm hearing him, but am I going to let him lead me? Am I going to follow? Am I going to obey what he wants me to do? Because I could have said, no, nah, I'm good. Believe me, because everything inside of me was saying, what the heck? You know, like, heck no. You know, tell right now. Because you always hear me like, oh, I'm going to go pray on it. But I was saying, I'm inside, I was like, heck no. Heck no. No way, man. Because Chuck used to tell stories. Even Pastor Stephon told the story. He almost got arrested. And I was like, no. You know, and I was like, no, no, no. And I told her, okay, I'll call you later. You know, told her, we'll call you later. We're going to go home and pray. Well, she actually told us that. You know, you guys go home and pray, and you let me know. And we got in the car. And we were not even halfway down Huntwood Avenue. And we already knew. We were leaving. We could be gone. And I don't know, that might not mean a lot to some people, but you know, when you've been the, I guess you could say the, the problem child, I guess you could say in the church for a while, um, it means a lot. Because I know it wasn't her. I know it was the Spirit of the Lord that was speaking to us. And it wasn't because we had everything. It wasn't because we were so great, because we were not. Believe me, you know, still not. But it was just, I believe, it was because we didn't want to stand in the way 
of what God and the Holy Spirit wanted to do in us. It wasn't for them. Because we thought, oh, we're going to go, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, yeah, we're going to help out the church, and we're going to, but it wasn't really for them. I mean, it was, but it was for us. God did something in our lives. And I think to myself, what do I, what do I would have done? Where would I be right now if I would have stood there looking and just waved it off? And just stood in front of the Holy Ghost and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay here. I got it too good. Anybody here got it good? You better watch out. I'm here to let you know, just when you think you got it good, because I mean, know God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. Oh, come on, you got to believe it today. God's got a plan for you. So being led by the Spirit is something that happens every single day. And it's only when you're led by Him that you're flaming that flame. When you're allowing Him to leave you, that's when you start fanning that flame. That's when you begin to stoke that flame. Can someone say amen? Allowing Him to work rather than quenching the fire. Because when you don't allow Him to work, when you stand in front of Him, you're actually putting the fire out. And there are tragedies all throughout Scripture of when the Spirit was quenched. It's funny because some of the same people that allowed the Spirit of the Lord to move on them also quenched the Spirit. You know, that, just let, that lets me know that just because you're, you, know, you got filled last week or you got filled last month, right, or you got touched last year, you know, you need a fresh touch every day. Because you might, you might have been okay, you might have, you might have ran with it that day, but he's going to ask you to do something tomorrow. Huh? Are you going to do it or are you going to quench it? The Bible says that when Samson told Delilah where his strength had come from, hello, from no razor being put to his head because he was a Nazarite, right? He was separated for God from birth. The Bible says that she caused him to go to sleep and his head had, was shaved and she yelled out to the Philistines to come and to get Samson and he got up to defeat them as he had done many times before, but it, his strength had left him because the spirit had departed from him. That's found in the book of Judges. He didn't even know. He didn't even know that the spirit of God had left him. Man, talk about quenching the spirit. The Bible says that he, she, I'm sorry. Numerous times the Bible speaks of the children of Israel going into battle, right? You hear about all the different battles and all the different, you know, uh, times that the Israelites went to battle without the presence. Huh? You know, they went to battle and they fought a lot of enemies with the presence. The Holy Ghost was with them. The Holy Spirit was with them. But also they went without it. And every single time, every single time that they went into battle without the Spirit of the Lord, it was catastrophic. They lost. They didn't just lose. They lost big. They lost big. What about in the New Testament when Ananias and Sapphira? Remember that one? If not, I'm going to give you a little short. They were members of the early church, and they had sold a piece of property, and they were to give a certain amount to God, but they robbed God. Has anybody ever robbed God? They cheated God. Here, anybody ever cheated God? They held back their offering. They lied about how much it was sold for. And Peter told Ananias there in chapter, Acts chapter 5, and Peter said, Ananias, why hath, that, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? And the Bible says that Ananias fell down dead, and that they carry out his body and they buried him. And the scripture also says that his wife came a few hours later, probably looking for her husband, right? Thinking, we just got paid. Hello. And Peter asked her the same thing, right? Gave her an opportunity. Asked her the same exact thing that he asked her husband. Huh? And how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they shall carry thee out. 
The same guys that buried your husband, they're right there and they're going to do the same thing to you. Huh? Because they quenched the spirit of God. Huh? And prophet Isaiah wrote about these in Isaiah chapter 63, 10. He says, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. See, Isaiah said that if you go against the spirit of the Lord, that you're fighting God. That you're fighting God. Anybody here ever fought anybody before? Pastor Greg, come on. Pastor Man, you guys ever fought anybody before? I mean, I wasn't a fighter, right? My pastor had his jacket on the other day. I don't know if anybody saw it. He had a patch and said, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lover and a fighter, right? But uh, I wasn't a fighter, amen? I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't one of those guys. I mean, I could fight. You know, you, if you, you came and you swung on me, all right, it was on. You know, I might win, I might lose. But I wasn't a big fighter. But I'm here to let you know that when you fight God, when you fight God, let me tell you one, when you fight God, you're going to lose. When you fight God, you're going to lose. When you fight God, you're going to lose. You think you have enemies now? You think you got problems now? Huh? You don't want God against you. Can someone say amen? Stephen declared to those that were about to stone him who thought they were doing the right thing. Everybody thought you were doing the right thing? Acts chapter 7 verse 51 says this, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your father did, so do ye. Huh? You ever thought you were doing the right thing? I know about you, but I, I've, I've thought I've been doing the right thing a lot of times. But when I'm not doing it in the spirit, when I'm not doing what I'm being led, most of the time I'm doing things the wrong way, right? I might have good intentions, but it doesn't always work out that way. Can someone say amen? Because then you're working against God, you're working against the spirit. You know, when you're working against the spirit, you're working against God. Because the spirit gives, the, God gives you the spirit to help you. God gives the spirit to empower you so that you can do what he's called you to do. So if you know what God, see, that's the thing. You got to know what God has called you to do, huh? Because when you know what God has called you to do, then you understand when the Spirit tries to move and lead you. Because if you don't know what you're supposed to do when the Spirit tries to move you, you're going to be like, ah, you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to be all confused. Amen? Paul also warned his believers in chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 10, and whoever, whoever, Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemies, blasphemies against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Huh? How many know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to fight against God. I fought against God for a long, long time. That's why I kept backsliding. I wasn't fighting myself. I was fighting God. Because I was fighting the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit kept trying to move, kept trying to get me to do things. Kept trying to, you know, to, I guess you could say, kick me in the butt. Right? To kind of get, move me to places, but I didn't want to go. I was, I was one of the, I told Pastor Steve one time, I'm good right here, man. I'm in neutral. I'm in neutral, man. I'm not, I might not be going backwards, but I'm not going forward. And he told me, he goes, there's no neutral in Christianity. Because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. That's what he told me. Because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. There's no, there's no purgatory or whatever that crazy stuff is. There's none of that stuff. You're either going up or you're going down. There's no hangout spot. <laughs> There's no in-between, amen? There's up or down, forward or back. Praise the Lord. So I was tired. I, I got tired. Anybody here got tired of fighting God? And you finally say, you know what? I know there's a lot of people, and I look around the room, there's a lot of people here that I know that have fought God for a long time, man. You know, and, and I look up to you guys. I really do. Because you guys are the ones that gave me that, you know, I was like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can fight, I can fight. But I didn't want to fight God. I wanted to fight the devil. Can someone say amen? Because, you know, 
I don't know, to be honest, it's probably easier to fight the devil than it is to fight God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's already defeated anyways. Yeah. Praise the Lord. When you try to fight God, uh-uh. He's a champion. Right, Vince? Come on. Now, there are a lot of ways you can quench the spirit. We could, st- we could be here all day talking about different ways to quench the spirit. You know, you could just flat out refuse, right? That's which is what I was doing. Or you could strive just to, you know, to fight the spirit of God. There's so many different ways, and at no time is it ever just overlooked. At no time does God think or weak at it and say, ah, it's not a big deal that they're fighting against me. Right? No, he cares. Because I mean, no, he worries about his children. He wants the best for you and I. The biggest problem in our world and in our country and even in our churches is Christians that are quenching the spirit of God. It's Christians that are quenching the spirit of God. Forget about I mean, the people in the world, they don't know what they're doing. Right? Even Jesus said it when he was on the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Right? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they might be quenching the spirit, but they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They're just doing whatever sinners do. Just like we did when we were out there, right? We were just doing whatever we were doing. We were just doing whatever we felt like doing. Could someone say amen? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 says this. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? See, you don't tell the spirit of God what to do. Huh? We're not the boss, so to speak. Amen? The spirit tells us what to do. When you decide that you're not in charge, when you decide that you're in charge, has anybody ever decided that? You know what? I'm in charge. I'm in charge. What you just did right now is you just made God your enemy. I'm in charge. This is my life. I make the rules here. It's my way or the highway. Can someone say amen? See, but when you seek your own will rather than the spirits, that's when you're quenching the spirit. Because how many know that the spirit of God wants to show you God's will? But when you say I'm in charge, you're seeking your own will. And you're going against God. You're quenching the spirit. There are three things that are needed to have a fire. This is funny because I learned this in the Boy Scouts. Amen. That was a long time ago. Amen. But I was able to teach it to the guys in the uh, Royal Rangers. Praise the Lord. There, there are three things that are needed to have a fire. And AJ and the team, you guys can come right now. But there are three things that are needed to have a fire. It's funny because AJ was one of my Royal Rangers. Amen. So was Manny. <laughs> so I don't know if these guys, these guys probably, I don't know. I remember this, amen? But uh, there are three things that are needed to have a fire. You need air, you need heat, and you need fuel. Now, green wood for fuel won't burn, and there's a lot of different reasons why, but dead wood, dead wood burns great. See, lighter fluid produce, produces a flame, but not a consuming fire. The flames will quickly die. It only burns on the outside, but the inside remains green, remains full of water, remains full of sap, or remains full of itself. Unwilling to yield to the heat of the flame. Dead wood burns quickly and completely. It gives no resistance. It produces the hottest flame, the greatest warmth, yet it has to be dead to do so. Emptying of the things that would quench the fire. So what am I saying? This is what I'm saying. If you want to be led by the Spirit, you have to be a fanner of the flame. You have to die to yourself. You gotta be like that dead wood. You gotta be like that dead wood, allowing the flame to fully consume you. Not like that green wood, the stuff that just gets cut down, right? And a lot of times, you know, that could even be people that just get saved, right? They just get saved. They're still a little green. They still got a little bit of themselves inside, or sometimes they have a whole lot of themselves inside. But how you know it's a process, right? Sooner or later, we're gonna become that dead wood. Um, but the more we give into the Spirit, the more we yield to the Spirit, 
huh? Is the, the I don't know how this sounds, but the deader we become inside, the less of us that's in there, right? We say less of less of us, Lord, and more of you, right? You have to empty yourself out. You have to die to what you want and what you want to do. I know sometimes we hear that and we think, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound good. Like, yeah, it does sound good. It does sound good because God got the best for you. God's got the best for me. God knows what's best. The plan and the purpose that he has for your life goes far beyond what you could ever imagine. So your dreams, your aspirations are nothing compared to what he wants for you. So when you hear that, well, you need to give up what you want, you need to give up your dreams, and you need to give up, I'm here to let you know, but that's an awesome thing because God's got some awesome stuff. Huh? God is the creator. Look what he's created. Just imagine what he's created for you and for me. But we have to die. We have to empty ourselves so that the Lord can fill us up. You see, you need to understand that you and I are not the flame. We're not the flame. We're not the spark. We're not the fire or even the creator of it. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the flame. The Holy Spirit's the spark. The Holy Spirit's the fire. That's his job. You see, when true revival starts, it's always going to start with you. You know, we hear it. We want revival when it starts with you because you're the flame. You're the flame. Because you know what happens when a flame touches something, another piece of fuel? You know what happens? It catches on fire. So one person touches another person, catches them on fire. That person touches another, catches them on fire. Next thing you know, you got a full-blown four-alarm fire going on in the church. Can somebody say amen? That's revival. That's what revival is. It happens on the inside. Sometimes we got to cut it off right here. Got to cut it off right here. Because it's in here and it tries to come out, but this stops it. We gotta, sometimes we just got to get rid of it, man. Just walk around like headless, you know. Just let the, the Spirit of the Lord just lead us. Amen. You need to understand that you are not the flame, the spark, or the fire. So you have to have fire. For to have a fire, you have to have air, heat, and fuel. And also, you're not the air, and you're not the heat. So if you're not the air, and you're not the heat, what are you? What am I? We're the fuel. You and I are the fuel. You and I are the fuel. You don't create the fire of God, but you can fan the flame. You can kindle the fire, or you can quench it. Romans 8, 1 through 15, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to end with this. There is therefore no condemn now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that I, it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, is an enemy. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh. I'm going to say that again. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Quench not the Spirit of God. Don't quench the Spirit. God's got great things for you. God's got great plans for you. Not just for you, but your whole family. God's got great things for this whole church. But if we don't allow the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do, what He's always wanted to do, what He's been doing for thousands of years, we're going to quench it. We're not going to see the promises of God. We're not going to see this city saved if we quench the Spirit of God. It's going to take a Holy Ghost church. Come on, hear me, church. And I'm preaching to myself. It's going to take a Holy Ghost church to reach this city. It's not going to take people that just come to church on Sundays and raise their hands and say, praise the Lord, and then go home. That's not going to reach the city. Are you guys with me? God is convicting me right now, man. You know, and God used Brother Ronnie a while back to convict me about our witness, right? Because how many know that it's the Spirit of God that empowers you to be able to witness, right? To be able to come up to somebody and share the gospel with them. To be able to share with them that they're in sin and that you have the answer, right? You don't do that. Normal person does something like that. Comes up to somebody and says, hey, man, you're all messed up, but hey, I got the answer. Nobody does that, but a Holy Ghost person does. Somebody filled with the Spirit of God does that, huh? And then that's what it's going to take. Because I know that I, in the past, I've been, I'm, you know, I'll just be honest. My witness has been cold, man. I mean, I share, I mean, I share, I share with people, I witness to people, but I'm talking like Holy Ghost witnessing, man. Trying to win souls. Because you, know, you can tell anybody, oh, yeah, I go to church. I tell people, I'm a minister. And they're like, oh, hey, that's cool, man. And I go, yeah, 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 it's cool. You know, like, all right, yeah. And that's kind of as far as it goes sometimes. But I'm talking about Holy Ghost witnessing, man. Praying for people. Leading them to the Lord. Like Sister Chella was saying, one person a day. Huh? That's what's going to win the city. But not her doing it all by herself. Not Pastor doing it all by himself. Not Brother Eric doing it all by himself. Not the men's home going out there doing it all by themselves. It's going to take a whole church. Huh? It's take a Holy Ghost church. This is get a whole church to say, you know what? We're all going to go to the streets. We're all going to go out there. We all want to do what God is calling us to do. God has called this church. God has called this church. God has called this church. Do you hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? Do you know what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do? Well, then you got to let Him lead you. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. As they begin to play this song, I'm going to open up the altars.